Welcome to the Voice of Experience with Danny Rains podcast, where Danny goes deeper in depth on a topic he covers in his column in Incident Prevention Magazine. In this episode, Danny provides additional views and perspectives from his April-May 2021 column called System Operations, Who's in Charge? You can read this article by going to incident-prevention.com. Let's join in with Danny now to learn why it's important to slow down or even stop work when something doesn't seem right about the job. Hello and uh, good afternoon, wherever you are. And here's Danny Rains again talking about the article that was in the last edition, I think, of IP Magazine. So uh, I will uh, I will attempt to go through and kind of recap the article that I wrote about about reconductoring. I, a lot of times I write about regulations and things, you know, and it's amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really interested in that, but a lot of folks like to hear about the hands-on work practices. And what I chose to do this last edition is write an article on how I used to set up a reconductoring job. And uh, and I'll start from the very beginning. It all starts with engineering, of course. I, I, your relationship with engineering, if you're working for an investor-owned utility company, is one thing. But then again, too, if you're a contractor, that's working for a host utility, it's a totally different ballgame. It kind of puts you in a quandary because you don't have any input on the setup or the planning of the job itself. You get handed a package and then you go out there, you ride it, you look at it. And of course, you know, there's some basic fundamentals that's got to happen, you know, before you ever even hand that job over to ever who's going to build it. And the engineering parts of it, Okay, and that is uh, going out uh, looking. Is there tree trimming required? Right away issues, any pole change outs, how many? Uh, locates, gotta have them. You know, I can I can tell you uh, many stories about people that took chances and dug on, a, on you know, to change out a pole that they didn't have a good locate on and it wound up, it wound up cutting a gas line and, uh, and wound up in a fatality, so. All these things are so important, but most of the most of the pools we used to do when I was a lineman back in the seventies and then a supervisor in the eighties, you know, they were a five thousand foot pool. That's about the that's about the the amount of wire it's on a reel that's three ninety seven or seven ninety five or something like that, and we would set it up about a, just about a mile at a pool. Okay, uh, if we were going to use uh, our four spool. A rope to a pilot line to pull out. Um, we would go and set a set a pole, or drag it out there on a trailer and leave it hooked up and pull the ropes out. But it was better for, I think, to set a little stub pole somewhere off to the side to where you could pull those pilot lines out as you frame the poles. Now, there's a lot of ways. I had a, I was over, a, you know, watching a contract crew one time. And they were they were going to they were going to reconduct her, and it was about a mile pool. It was down south, way south. And I went out there, and I could see what they were doing right off the get go. Now, you know, there's a right way, and there's a gosh, should I say lazy way of doing this? You know, if you don't think you're going to be there when the job is done, you may look at that job differently and take the easy route up front and try to get the easy stuff done up front. But the, to me, the right way and the most efficient and effective way to do something is to 
take that job at the very beginning. Once you you're sure you got the material, spot your poles out there, make sure all the hardware's you know you can you can load it up on your on your material trailers or or a truck and get it out there. Start at pole number one, set the new pole, go up, transfer the uh, the old wire from the old pole to the new pole, lay it out, frame up the new pole, put P lines in it, drop them down, tie them up to where no kids can get to it, of course, and then you go from pole to pole. And once you get the poles in that pool set up, then you can come back with, you know, with your pilot line and pull your pilot line through. Then you'll have your bull line set up on the other end and then pull your bull line back with your pilot line and then have your wire set up next to the pilot rail or close to it, hook the bull line to it and then pull it through. Now, this sounds pretty simple, but uh, the beauty part about this is, and what I tried to do for my customers, I took it very personal. I said, you know, we're taking out little number two or number four ACSR and we may be pulling in one alt, four alt, or 397 or 795. We're going to pull in a bigger conductor because most of the time, because load has gone up in that area and it requires a greater ampacity of, of the conductor. But, uh, you know, you can, you can look in there and see what it takes. One of the, and then one thing too, I always say is get your guying in. Uh, one of the things I learned a long time ago, and a lineman told me this, and I took it to heart. If you don't, if you don't got, you can't pull it. Uh, the worst thing I can see out there is, is see a brand new pole with the belly pulled out of it. It's neutral because they didn't put a neutral a, a down guy at the neutral on a C suspension pole or a you know or an angle pole greater than 15, 10, 15 degrees with clamp type insulators on it. But getting back to the guy that did the lazy part, he went out there, he would set the pole that didn't have the three-phase pull-off on it. It didn't have the three-phase riser. It didn't have a bank pole. So he he picked the easy sets and then uh, didn't transfer anything, just set the pole. And I'm going, hmm, I see what this fellow's up to <laughs> for sure. So, you know, uh, I called him out on it. And of course he didn't like it, you know, and that's okay. Cause I mean, you know, he was working for a contract company, working for a major utility company, uh, the investor owned utility. And I told him, I said, they're not going to appreciate what you're doing. And I said, besides that, you're setting up, um, you're setting up uh, basically more work for somebody else to come behind you and do. So if, if you start at the beginning and do what I was saying at the very onset, set the pole, transfer the old wire to the, to the layout arms, frame the new wire, hang the blocks, put the P lines in, tie them up, and then go from pole to pole to pole to do that. Now, when you do get to that bank pole or that riser pole, now there's an opportunity. Basically, five foot higher poles, yeah, most of the time. Uh, it depends on the job, you know, and it always works better if you can go higher. That way you, you can leave everything underneath, put your mechanical jumpers, or some kind of riser wire or something on your banks or on your uh, UD riser poles and basically uh, cover it up. Uh, you don't want to leave it uncovered. I was, uh, I was working when I first retired, I was kind of chasing around companies uh, at the, at the request of uh, a big contractor. And he called, well, the owner of the company called me one day and said, Danny, you, you need to go so-and-so. 
And I said, okay, what's going on? He said, I don't know. They're down there. They're framing out, uh, pulling out the, the, you know, P lines, pulling out the pilot line and they've locked the breaker out three times. And I said, what? So I got in a truck and drove three or four hours and got down there to where they were working. And, uh, this, this comes from, I guess, inexperience or not really understanding systems and how they work, but you can't take a wet, uh, pilot line. It's been drove through the grass and then pull it over a, a block up with a P line and it rub up against a bare jumper. Uh, it's going to burn the rope into and probably lock out the station and maybe even hurt somebody. If you're not careful. It's amazing what some people will do. I, I see as time goes on now, I see an issue. I think that's going to show up more and more in the future. Not that I know everything cause I don't, but I've learned a lot in the last 50 years. And that is, uh, you know, people that are out there doing the work right now. And if you look at the social media pages on lineman.com and whatever, you know, that's out there, guess what? Uh, they make some mighty bold statements, uh, 10 foot tall, indestructible, uh, kind of makes you believe they've done it and know it all. And I don't, I don't hardly believe that's the case. So, so, you know, and they, they just do some of these things like I just described, uh, there was another, I told, I think I told you a case a while ago. If you, if you don't have a, a good locate, you know, don't, don't stick an auger in the ground. I mean, that's the law, you know, you, you shouldn't do that. So uh, we had one case a long time ago. There was a, there was a, a lineman was working on a crew and they had a pole to change out and they had a bunch of poles to change out and they got to this one pole and there was no paint, nothing on the ground. Well, apparently ever who went out and, put the construction paint down, the white paint down, missed this one particular pole. And there was no proposed construction. So he looked at it and he said, hmm, I tell you what we can do. It was just a single phase line and they were going to pull in three phases. And he says, let's just, let's just float everything off of it. Tie the neutral off to a tree. I'll go up and hold the single phase 14-4 primary with a roller head on my material handling truck. And then y'all pull this, this other crew, pull this pole out, chip down with digging set, make the hole bigger where I can get the bigger pole in there. Cause it was going up from a 40 to a 45. And uh, let's just do that. And then I'll stick the auger in the hole and clean it out. You know, when we get through, well, lo and behold, when they stuck the auger in the hole to clean out the dirt and get it just a little deeper, to get that 45 foot pole in there, uh, there was a four inch gas main that had been horizontally uh, bored directly under the butt where the tip of the auger hit the four inch plastic main. And of course it, it the gas started escaping, everybody ran. Now here's here's the, the guy up in the bucket. He's standing here in a, in a bucket holding the phase in a roller head. He smells the gas. So he starts to back up just to kind of get away from the drift because he was right over the top of the hole when, when he was doing that. And, and there was one little static spark inside that roller head. And when it did, it ignited the gas and it went straight to the four inch gas main, blew the whole thing up. It wound up, uh, he wound up being a fatality because it basically, the flame was 30 feet high, you know, and it was, he was near it and it melted the boom and the bucket and he fell to the ground. It was awful. And it was, and it was the best of intentions. 
and that's the sad part about it. We can get in, you know, my philosophy was this. When I was out there reconducting a job and I told the crew members, I said, look, you know, we're the professionals out here. We know what to do. It, unless they look out the window and see us out here, they should never know we were here. Because I can parallel banks. I can I can switch out UD risers and three-phase circuits or single-phase, unless it's radial. But I said, unless they look out there and see us working, we should be able to come in here and actually do this job and never blink the lights and never have an outage should not happen because we're the ones that knows more about what's going on than anybody around here. And so that's, that was kind of the way I, I worked a job. Now let's continue on. Let's say we've got the pilot line pulled out and we got, we're going to pull in the, the hard line and we're going to pull in the conductor. And now then what we got to do now is, is have a say. Now, a lot of folks are doing some strange things out here. And I saw some folks in my day, and I'm sure you, a lot of you guys have probably seen this. Get all you can and get three more clicks and get what you're going to lose and make it up. And that is not the way to do it. Because <laughs> uh, the first time it goes down to about zero, it's going to pull the hardware off the pole. So in my day, we, we used, uh, you know, we used sagging tables. Okay. In my spec book, I had a sagging table in there. I would basically take the temperature. I would basically look at the span lengths, find the longest span length, and then get an average span length. Okay. And then according to the temperature, I'd look in my table and it would tell me to say, if it was 50 degrees, it would tell me to sag it maybe 1200 pounds on a, on a dynamometer. And if it was 90 degrees, it wouldn't, don't do that. Don't sag it at a high tension. And that's what a lot of folks, well, I like it. It looks good. It's tight. Well, if it's tight when it's warm and, or hot weather, what is it going to do when it goes to zero? I mean, you know, this wire is going to contract. And I, 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 <laughs> there was one time in one place that I worked where it never went to zero, but it did. It went to five below zero one time. And I saw it pull a four inch curved washer on a down guy through a pole because uh, th that wire it was 397, I believe. And it contracted so much and pulled, pulled against that guy. And they never, they didn't put the one guy on the pole. They should have had two or three. And, and this was a su suspension pole, a C suspension. And so they said, <laughs> you can make a lot of mistakes, but nothing, unless something happens, you know, you don't, you don't get caught in your mistake. So, you know, get the preliminary sag, get the initial sag the day of the, of the pool, if you can. Get all three spaces in, get your neutral in. And the only problem now, and I will merit this, if you pull in a four-alt ACSR neutral and it's, you know, kind of warm, it's going to tell you to sag it at 800, 900 pounds or something like that. But, you know, if, if unless four-alts changed since I sagged it and I sagged a million miles of it, you can still see the curls in the wire when the reel gets low, when you're pulling the wire off the reel and it gets close to that center, it's, it's odd looking. And you, nobody wants to leave those curly cues in that wire. And I understand that completely. Now, if you're doing triple AC, it won't be as bad. And that's a good thing because a lot of folks, especially around the coast, when you got salt water, they don't do ACSR and that steel core, you know, will rust. But anyway, once you get the preliminary sag in there, let it rest overnight and then come back the next morning 
and then check it. Now I will tell you this, the, the next caveat is how many heels and how many curves do you have? How many suspension poles do you have? If you've got a hill, if, if one side of the pool is longer than the other, you really need to sag it with a dynamometer from both ends. Because if you don't, you're going to have it tight on one end, slack on the other. Because where the weight's at is where, you know, that's what you're going to see. So it's going to take a lot. Now, if you sag it on the short end, you'll come up to a quick sag and it won't, it won't look worth a flip on the other end. And uh, I had a training crew one time where I had three apprentices on that crew and I had a lot, two linemen, a crew leader and a lineman and a WTO and three apprentices. And I let the apprentices, uh, once they got into that, uh, you know, the, the quarter in which they could do hot work. So I let them sag the wire. And so I asked them how they were going to do it. And they told me, and I said, okay, let's look at this. So, and it was a, it, it was a very, uh, not mountainous, but it was very uneven, undulate, undulating uh, terrain. We had a bunch of hills and we pulled it in. We actually cut in a new substation, pulled three circuits of 750 MCM out of it. And uh, right outside the station, you know, they pulled it because that's where we set everything up was convenient right to the substation. I said, well, just for the fun of it, guys, let's go to the other end, put the dynamometer on there and see what it looks like. Now, they sagged it up to, and I don't know, it was warm weather. It was about 900 or 1,000 pounds. And just about everybody I know will add 10% just to make it pretty, if you know what that means. So we went to the other end. And, and basically, on this end of it, it was, was a fairly short span. And the long was over the hill and down in the bottom. And so we went down there and they said, well, why are we doing this? We already got it. This already dead it in and sagged. I said, just put the dynamometer on there and see what you got. Let's look at it. And what they got on the other end down there and it, it didn't, it wasn't even nowhere near where it was on the short side. So they said, well, you know, maybe we need to take a little slack out of it. And I said, that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And you can go to that, that substation today and look at what those three apprentices did. And let me tell you something. That's as pretty sagged wire as anything as I've ever seen. Those three circuits are still in place today. And it was, that was back in probably 91 or two. So it's been like that for darn nigh 30 years. And it's still there. It's, the sag still looks good. And it's, all, and it's because it was done correctly. We used the sagging tables and we used the dynamometers. We did everything we were supposed to do to make it good and to make it look good. Well, once you do that, the next thing to do, once you get it sagged, the initial and then, and then final sag, and then clip it in. Uh, of course, now standards require us to keep that wire grounded until the last, uh, the last part of the construction period. So once you get it in, it should be grounded. And I know a lot of folks say, well, why do you want to ground new wire? It's sitting right in the middle of probably either a single phase or a three phase that's laid out on the old construction because that's what the standard says, you know, so we do that. So it makes you cover up a little bit more, which is okay. Distribution cover up is a good thing. And uh, it's like, I try to tell those apprentices that time. I say, you're getting paid by the hour. Okay. So just do it and do it right. And you don't have to worry about it. So once we get it, uh, once it's grounded on both ends and we start clipping it in, we get it tied in, then we can remove the grounds on both ends. Then we can go in, have somebody ride it. Okay and make sure that everything is perfect, the last phase of construction, 
and then go to either the switch where you've got it deaded in, or in, in our case, it was a brand new breaker in a substation. So we made it up all the way to the frame, had all the jumpers down to the LLBs right there on the low side of the frame, high side of the breaker. And we went in there and finished it and then turned the handle and made it hot, 25 kV. And then comes the fun part. Then this is where, when I said earlier, I said they shouldn't know we were here. This is where you got to parallel everything and keep it hot. And, uh, you know, if you can get an outage on it, fine. It says, you know, what's the hierarchy of controls? Eliminate flash and shock hazards if you de-energize. Well, shucks. Uh, most of the customers out there today, especially if you're in an industrial or commercial area, they, they don't they don't take too kindly for you killing the power in the middle of their workday. Okay, so parallel it, phase it, make sure it's right. Uh, I will tell you a quick story. <laughs> I, I remember things as I go through these things. We had one customer that that had a, and they said, "No, you cannot have us out. You know, it's infeasible." can't do it. So we, uh, we got to that bank and it, we built another bank on the new pole, uh, just, just beside it, run a brand new quadruplex service, tapped up the quadruplex service at the building. So we were feeding back. Okay. To the bank of transformers. Now the switches were still open. The, the sad part about it is when we built, when we made that quad hot, and then we took the low side of the leaves of the bank and we started to heat the bank up from this secondary side. Don't do that. Okay. Cause that's a shocker. So now you're, you're, you're getting, you're, you're, you're actually energizing a coils and a transformer through the secondary side and still the prime and it will draw a pretty good arc. So don't do that. Go ahead and heat the new bank up, take a, a voltmeter and a phase into get a voltage reading to be sure that the new bank is the same voltage as the old bank and then get a phasing tool and make sure that you're phasing it from, you know, uh, from, from phase one, two, and three, A, B, and C to, you know, on your quarterplex, either one, two and nothing or whatever, ever how your markings is on your secondaries. And once you do that, you can tie it together, tie it to the new bank. Then you can go over there and cut the old quarterplex loose their lights never went off. They shouldn't have blinked. They shouldn't have done anything. De-energize the old one and then strip, start stripping out. You know, right now, just transfer and load is all we're really doing. So every transformer you come to, do the same thing. And then every riser pole, do the same thing. And then once you get, once you get every, all the load transferred from the old wire to the new wire, then we can de-energize the old wire and then we can start uh, uh, tearing out the old, the old three phase, single phase, whatever you're doing, and then make sure that we clean it up and Lord help, make sure you do one thing. This is one of, this used to be one of my kind of pet peeves is don't leave any junk at the bottom of the pole for a lawnmower to find or, or something, you know, a, a square washer or a, a lock nut or, you know, whatever's down there, clean up around that pole. Make sure your guys got a guy guard. Make sure it's got an insulator in that guy, and then make sure don't put the head on the 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 uh, the guy rod, and then cut the guy wire. Cut it inside your hand, and then roll it inside there, and then that way you got a smooth transition. Nobody's gonna walk by there and scratch their leg on it, or the dog's gonna run by there and tear his face off. And I've well, the reason I say that 
is I've had to work claims where all that happened because somebody didn't cut it off a hand's length above the guy rod and then wrap it inside the, the you know, preformed guy head. And it, it really makes a difference. There's a, there's a thousand other things we could talk about, but I think I covered some of the major topics that I wanted to share with you today. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this. If you have any questions, feel free to call me. 770-354-7360 is my cell number. I always have it on. And anytime you have a question, I'd be more happy if I can't answer it. I know somebody can. I'll, I'll go find you the answer. So uh, be careful out there. Uh, take time. Plan your job. Work your plan. God bless and be safe. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, go to incident-prevention.com slash podcasts to get more. Or search Incident Prevention wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, stay safe.